Are you ready to rumble? Aaron is a self-proclaimed authenticity expert who stopped subscribing to the bullshit a long time ago. A two-time survivor of sexual violence, she knows that in order to find true happiness, you've got to do some work on yourself for yourself. Jenna battled anorexia for 11 years with many ups and downs. She's currently working to find true recovery and sharing her journey along the way. Finding authenticity is all about being true to ourselves without having to apologize for it. So stay tuned for all the mental health, adulting, self-development, and day-to-day musings for us. And welcome to the Finding Authenticity podcast with Erin and Jen. Hello and welcome back to the Finding Authenticity podcast. Today is a very exciting day for Jen and I because it's our first guest episode. Today we're talking to Emma, who's a personal trainer, nutrition coach, and health strategist. She supports women in building healthy and sustainable lifestyles from a holistic approach, focusing on intuitive eating and effective exercise. She specializes in working with women who struggle with binge eating, dieting, and other forms of disordered eating. Emma's unique approach combines her work with hundreds of patients in clinical and community settings, the evidence-based best practices in the field, and her own unique experience with binge eating disorder. Seriously, guys, she's so bomb. This episode is going to be so good. I can't wait for y'all to like dive into it. But first, you know, Jen and I got to do our little check-in. So, Jen, my girl, what is up? <laughs> well, hello there, my friend. <laughs> well, I think I may be going crazy. <laughs> Um, crazy for Corona. Yeah, literally, <laughs> Corona is making me crazy. Fuck you, Corona. Well, I have been generally shitty. Still, sorry, I had to think about it. I was like, when when did we last record and how have I been? So last episode, I kind of gave a little insight on how things have kind of been going. They've been also not great this past week, but slowly improving. Not gonna lie, as of like. Wednesday, Thursday, my general mood has been a bit more stable. I've gone back to my old meds slowly, so I'm starting back on those, which I think is hopefully going to help um, the whole depressive self-harm issues that I've been having. There have been a couple other things going on in my life that have caused a little bit of heightened anxiety, but those are somewhat controllable, and I am doing what I got to do to make those go away. So, yeah, generally things are looking up, although they haven't been great. And I'm excited to potentially celebrate Canada Day with my friends this week. Oh, BB. The fact that I was going to say Corona Day. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) The fact that Corona Day is... God. Uh, <laughs> okay, but like, did I just think of my Instagram caption? I think I did. I think, yes. I hate myself. Loki amazing, though. Oh, uh, okay. What I was supposed to be saying was, I can't believe Canada Day is almost here. Time doesn't feel real. And I'm fairly convinced it's actually still March. We're just reliving the same day over and over. Yeah, we're... Okay, like, listen. If time traveling is ever a thing, they should be coming back here and trying to fucking help us. 
Well, you see that meme I sent you where it was like someone's definitely trying to fix it, but all they did was get rid of the murder wasps and not the yes. coronavirus. I that you sent me that meme. I get memes from too many different like directions that, that I forget who <laughs> sent them. But yes, that's the meme that inspired that thought. Yeah. Great meme. Great meme. How have you been overall? What are you doing? <laughs> I think we actually might be going nuts. I apologize for all of this, but I promise you that the episode you're about to get is worth this insanity. Yes, yes it is. We just recorded with her, and I think all of our weirdness was, like, a little bit put to the side, so we didn't... Yeah, we were holding back. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to scare her, you know, because Jen and I have been friends for a very long time, and right now, my little Skype video is a bunch of pigs in the background. Also, like, I'm in a really good mood today, so I'm just like... <laughs> yes, I think we both are in good moods today, which is good. We like we're that. We're just having a goddamn good time. Anyway, okay. So I'm a happy little bean. I got tested for coronavirus yesterday. Let me tell y'all, that's not okay. It's not as bad as I think people make it seem, but it's not my favorite experience. I'm super excited for my test tomorrow. Okay, listen. Have you ever had a pap smear? Me personally? Yes. Remember, my vagina pushed the clamps out. Doctor was like, "Oh, you must have a lot of muscles." <laughs> Death grip vagina. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ, I'm dying. Anywho, yes, I have. Sorry, <laughs> I can't. I can't move on from that. <laughs> so yes, um, listen, let me tell you, coronavirus test worse than a pap smear. Really? Well, yeah, because I feel like I mean my cervix might be different. But when I get a pap smear, I don't really... Okay, the clamping part, like the... Honestly, yeah, it didn't bug me. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like... But, like, the actual, like, swamp is, like, fine. Yeah. People, like, made me scared, but it was nothing, really. It's definitely uncomfortable because you're so exposed and your vagina is literally getting cranked open with this weird, like, duck build machine. Yeah. But, like, the swab part is fine. When you get, like, the coronavirus, it just, like, it goes, like in a place in your face where like things just aren't supposed to go mm, that's fair like at least like we're used to putting things where we get a pap smear <laughs> that's very true this is true i'm not used to shoving things that far up my nose yeah so no. it's it's unpleasant for a couple of seconds especially when they like start twisting it you can't help but make a face yeah but it's over fairly quickly it just kind of feels like water going up your nose oh um, i hate that is there like the burn yeah, it's like yeah. it's like not painful, but it's just like it like makes your eye water because it's just it's such a sensitive area. Yeah, yeah. So um, I did that. <laughs> I got the results back already because they're super duper fast, and I'm proud to announce I do not have coronavirus. Woo! And neither does the other person who was getting tested with me. So I'm happy for that reason because now we can go within six feet of each other. And I'm very excited for a hug. And like the sappy motherfucker I am, I might cry. Because I've been waiting for this hug. For the touch of a man. Yes. I cannot wait. I'm just, you know, living my life trying to find some work. I've applied to a few jobs. So hopefully I'll get some income real soon. We love that. We love the money. We love income. We love. I'm going to start driving, skip the dishes again, I believe. Because, you know, easy. Get some money. Yeah, man. We're just like hang out while you do that. Yeah. Sick. Bump bump the jams. No, literally, that's the most exciting part is just like driving around listening to music. You're like, fuck yeah. 
All right, y'all. I think, honestly, like... That's about it. Nothing, like, major that I'm, like, ready to talk about yet. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, Jen. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we will have more to say in our updates next week. Yeah, things are just generally good. Nothing, like, crazy has happened other than me getting tested for coronavirus. All right. So, without further ado, let's dive on in to our interview with Emma. Start off telling us a bit about yourself, kind of what you've been doing throughout quarantine, and what you've basically been doing with your life so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I studied kinesiology at UBC, and I graduated about a year ago, and I started working as a kinesiologist at a sports medicine clinic, um, doing active rehab for people that had been in like really severe car accidents or workplace accidents. And I did enjoy the work, but I felt like my scope of practice was quite limited. Um, I was just kind of using uh, exercise prescription as my main modality. And a lot of people were coming to me with other issues around like eating and like body image and other things. And so I decided that I wanted to try building my own business because I'd always been really interested in business and entrepreneurship. And so that's kind of when I started RYB or Respect Your Body. Um, and I ended up leading my clinical job and kind of pursuing that pretty much full time on my own. And also um, I decided to go traveling as well. And then, so I was kind of doing, yeah, working online while traveling. And then I came home um, from being abroad pretty much when coronavirus hit. And so now I've been (laughs) isolating at home in Vancouver where I live. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a difficult couple of months for sure. Yeah. So where did you have to come home because of coronavirus or were you already planning to come home around that time? Um, No, I was already planning to come home sometime in March. So it ended up working out quite well. I didn't have to cut my trip very short, which was good. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you? Where did you go? Um, I was in Europe. So I was in the UK and Netherlands and France and Belgium, Germany, that kind of area. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely like a perfect time to go traveling like at this age, you know, when you don't have too many other commitments and especially like having having an online business where you can kind of work from wherever. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been doing that? When did you decide to like rebrand yourself and start your own thing? Well, it's been something that I've been toying with in the back of my mind for years, honestly. And in hindsight, I wish I had started so much earlier, but I was just... I was really scared to start and kind of put myself out online and just kind of share things. I was really nervous to do that. But I started, I'd say, about a year ago, um, kind of getting more serious about it. Um, And I found myself posting kind of information that I thought people wanted to hear, but that I didn't truly really even agree with initially. Um, So I kind of posted like how to lose weight and things like that because I thought like, oh, people will search for that kind of information and then they'll find me, even though those weren't really things that I necessarily agreed with. So I'd say only about like five or six months ago did I truly start posting information and like things that were truly what I wanted to be talking about. That's awesome. And that's so true. Like, especially in the fitness industry, it's so hard because weight loss is what sells just like regardless of what you believe in yourself it's like you're trying to grow and like you want to help people obviously and that's like the way that you can get the most attention which is unfortunate and hopefully something that like the more that we move away from that and there's people out there like you that are trying to fight for 
a more inclusive space in the fitness industry. Yeah. Hopefully we won't have to like promote weight loss to get attention. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a difference in like engagement or clientele or anything like that since you've like switched over to something that feels more authentic to you. Yeah, I actually have noticed like a, it's been really positive. I've noticed a huge increase in engagement and um, in people reaching out to me via DM or things like that. Yeah, I think people could tell that I wasn't being authentic before. And now that I'm being a lot more authentic, I think people can definitely see that and they can relate a lot more to what I'm talking about. I think there's like a huge space for that in like the world of social media right now. Everyone wants to see like realness. I think everyone's kind of over the bullshit of this idea of a perfect world and like a perfect formulaic way to have a happy life. So the more people that are out there showing like their version of that is going to make honestly you more popular down the line and more successful because I think that's what people are looking for now. Yeah, 100%. I think authenticity really is where people are gravitating to these days. And that's really awesome that you were able to do that and kind of feel comfortable doing so. Cause I think like Aaron said, like in the long run, that's going to do wonders for you and for your business. So what are your main goals moving forward? Well, for respect your body, our kind of mission is to help all women learn to love and care for their bodies. And so we are kind of trying to change the narrative I found that there was a lot of misinformation out there on social media and on the internet in general. So kind of like I said, we're really just trying to change the conversation from being all about dieting to being more about kind of intuitive eating and talking less about how to exercise to change the way you look and talking more about how to exercise so that you can reap the mental and physical benefits of that and talking less about how you can try to lose weight and talk about more about how you can just accept yourself as you currently are. So we're trying to kind of change that conversation. I myself struggled with an eating disorder and with depression and anxiety for well over a decade. And so I'm really just trying to be the person that I wish I'd had when I was younger or when I was struggling with those things. And like I said, I held back for a long time about talking about these things because I was really nervous. I was worried that people would judge me or they'd think less of me if I opened up about these things. Um, And I was also worried, you know, kind of thinking, who am I to give other people advice? I'm only 23, you know, but I realized, you know, I do have like a solid education behind me. I have the evidence-based information and I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to have every single answer or have figured it all out. I can just be genuine, be myself, be vulnerable, share my story. And if that helps someone else to make an important decision in their life, or if it helps them to feel less alone, then really that is enough. I feel like I've succeeded if I can just do that for someone. So yeah, my goal is really just to be there to support other women and to educate them. And we have, so we have the healthy and holistic lifestyle coaching program, which we do. And then we have a course that I'm creating called the Beat Binge Eating and Find Food Freedom course, which I'm really passionate about to hopefully help other women who struggle specifically with binge eating, which is what I struggled with a lot, and to help them form a healthier relationship with food and with themselves and their body. Yeah, I love that. I think that I honestly, I commend you too, because that's that when I first got into fitness, when I started like personal training, that was my goal as well to try and not focus on weight loss and not focus on all of that, but really focus on accepting your body and really the reason I was like, oh, I actually enjoy working out is because I was like, this makes me feel good. And I wanted other people to feel good too. But it's so hard once you get into that fitness realm to not get 
pulled in a bunch of different directions. So good for you for like being able to like stick to your ground. That's awesome. I think it's totally important and something that we need to make more well-known throughout the fitness industry so that more people feel like it's something they can do and it's not something they're scared of doing because they don't think they can work out for whatever reasons, right? Yeah, when I worked as a as a personal trainer um, during my undergrad, I when I started personal training, I my body looked very different than it does now. I was a lot smaller and a lot, you know, more lean and shredded kind of. And so I've had a ton of clients and a ton of people who would come up to me and say like, oh, how can I basically look like you or how can I achieve this? And I, I loved it. And like getting that positive affirmations from them that like, I was kind of something that they wanted to be like, I felt so awesome. So that really like fueled a lot of the really unhealthy behaviors that I was doing. And I also, but I felt like a huge hypocrite basically because they thought saw me as this like picture of health, but I was so far from that, like behind closed doors that they didn't know about. And when I kind of started my journey to recovery and my body did change a lot and I ended up gaining quite a bit of weight, which was, you know, quite a journey to go on in my head. I felt like, oh, I'm not really worthy of being a personal trainer anymore. So I actually ended up quitting and I had this one girl one day come to me in the gym because I still worked out where I had previously worked. Um, And she said, she's like, oh, didn't you used to work as a personal trainer here? And I said, yeah, I did. And she's like, oh, well, do, do you not work here anymore? And I said, no, you know, I decided not to work here. And she said, oh, you know, that really sucks. I've actually been like saving up money because I wanted to have some personal training sessions with you. And then when I had the money, I realized you had quit. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Why did you want to train with me? Like, there are all these other trainers who are really, really fit. They can totally help you. And she's like, no, you actually are the one person who looks like me and who I actually feel like you're approachable and I'd feel comfortable with you. And that's when I kind of had this light bulb moment where I realized, yeah, like you don't need to look a certain way to work in the fitness industry. And actually, you know, you have your own like gifts to bring. Like the fact that I just looked like a normal human was actually kind of my superpower in a way because it's what made me approachable to people and they felt like they could relate to me and they felt comfortable talking to me and stuff so yeah for sure (laughs) no no no, I love that because I think it's so true and we get so worked up in our heads to be like oh we have to look the part of being a trainer and but like what the fuck does that even mean like that's if you look up personal trainer in the dictionary I don't think it says you have to look like this like that's not a thing and being healthy is way more important than looking a certain way. And that's the thing too, is a bunch of people who look the part of being fit, they're not healthy. You know, like there's so many things that they're engaging in that are problematic. And like you were saying too, when you felt that people were saying like, oh, you look so great, all this behind the scenes, there was a lot of other things going on. And like, I've had the same experience when like I started to get a little bit more shredded. Um, I was like, mentally not doing so hot but people are like oh you look so great like what have you been doing and I'm like not eating (laughs) but like no that's not what we want we want to help other people be healthy and how can we do that if we're not being healthy ourselves you know Mm -hmm. yeah there are so many people who are in larger bodies who are super healthy and then there are lots of people in smaller bodies who are not very healthy you really can't judge a book by its cover essentially we need to stop equating health with someone's body size or the way that they look because the two don't equal each other no not at all and it's people have been so ingrained with the idea that 
thin equals better or thin equals healthy. Mm-hmm. But that it's really not the case. I feel like the whole thought process that there is a certain kind of body for someone who's healthy or fit is ultimately a barrier for so many people to be willing to like enter that environment because it's intimidating to think that anybody that you're going to learn from or is going to give you what you imagine is going to be valuable information is going to look a certain way that ultimately is unattainable for so many people and like really fucking scary. I remember when I started and like to be honest I've never been like a bigger person or someone who's like really struggled that much with that kind of stuff but even when I first started wanting to work out, I was like, what the fuck is the gym? And anyone who looked fit was scary. A hundred percent. It seems like such an unapproachable environment because mm-hmm. the people that you typically see there on a regular basis are the people who've already been going for a while and are probably a little crazy and unhealthy about it. So they're either like massive men who just like take up way too much space and are really loud or they're like these like little little tiny little ladies and I just oh, I hated when I first started going to the gym I felt like I was being watched because I didn't know what I was doing and yeah it's just overall it's like it's such an intimidating environment and when you associate a certain kind of look to it that just makes it so much worse yeah I definitely agree it's yeah it's a difficult environment to join into which sucks like you said it's it shouldn't be that way at all like it's for everybody like everybody everybody <laughs> literally yeah but like you were saying you feel like people are kind of watching you like I totally know what you mean it feels like everyone is watching you but actually everyone is so obsessed with themselves that they're not paying any attention to you and you know you're probably not doing anything like so strange that you're actually going to stand out but I would definitely recommend like if you want to start going to the gym maybe go with a friend the first couple of times so you don't feel like super alone or you could get one of the staff members or personal trainers there to kind of walk you through how to use some of the equipment or something like that so that you kind of have a basic understanding. I always, you know, tell people to kind of go in with a bit of a plan of what you're going to do. So you don't have to kind of stand there and like look around for a long time. You can kind of just think, okay, first I'm going to go straight to this machine and then straight there. And that might kind of ease a little bit of the anxiety, but it's definitely challenging. Yeah. When I first started going to the gym, I was in university and my roommate took me the first few times and a university gym is also a very scary place because like (laughs) there's all these attractive boys you can't go and like not see someone you know from something and you're like oh god and you can't go and like look like shit because like what if your future husband's there I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but out for you yeah it worked out really well I'm married with three children (laughs) (laughs) but no it's like it definitely is super intimidating and I think once you go more often you realize that what you said is totally true. Like people are so focused on themselves. They give no shits what you're doing. They're worried about what you're thinking about them, especially the guys. Like those men who are checking themselves out in the mirror, they want you to be looking at them. They're really not focused on what you're doing. They may have big muscles, but they have small dick energy. (laughs) 100%. Um, So what really motivated you to recover from your eating disorder I was really scared to kind of start recovering for me like I struggled with a binge eating disorder and food was my worst enemy but it was also my best friend it brought me so much comfort um and it was a pattern that had been ingrained in me since I was so young like I can remember binging for the first time when I was in grade three or grade four Like, this is something I've been doing for a long time. So I didn't really know what to do without it. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I, I didn't remember what life was like before I struggled with these things. And I was also scared that I would kind of try to recover and then it wouldn't work. And then I would like think that I had been better off to just not have tried at all because I was scared of failing in recovery, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I also worried a lot that my eating disorder wasn't serious enough or that like I wasn't worthy of getting help because I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't hospitalized or I wasn't almost dead, you know? And I, so I kind of had to come to terms with the fact that you don't need an official diagnosis or you don't need to be like very, very seriously ill before you reach out and get help. Like if you're struggling, you deserve help. I was just so embarrassed by my behaviors. Like they, I had so much shame around them. I could barely admit it to myself and let alone say it out loud to somebody else. And I was just worried that I would tell them and then, you know, either they wouldn't care and they would say, oh, that's not serious. Or they would be like, oh my gosh, like you have a terrible disease. And I would get like completely freaked out. So anyways, I kind of wrote a list of pros and cons almost. And I was like, okay, what has my eating disorder stolen from me? Okay, it has stolen so many things. Like it has completely taken over my life. And I was basically at a point where I was like, I can't, I just can't live this way anymore. Like I'm so depressed. I'm so, I feel so hopeless. I don't know what to do. I just need to get help. And yeah, I just really wanted to live a quote normal life. I wanted to be able to go out with my friends or go on a date or go to the beach or just do these normal activities without completely obsessing over my body, over food, over all of that. So that's when I decided to finally reach out and start my journey to recovery. Yeah, no, I think it's so hard. It's terrifying because it's something that's so comforting to you at that time. And it's not a great <laughs> coping tool at all, but it's especially when it's been with you for so long and you don't know what else to do. Um, it's super scary. And asking for help is also terrifying. And then the whole like finding out what avenue of help you're going to move forward with because there's a bunch of different ways to go about it. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely a tough decision, but an important one for sure. Did you end up going into, like, did you get a therapist? What was your main modality of recovery? Were you mainly focusing on just working internally with yourself? Yeah, it was kind of a combination of things. I remember going to my doctor initially at Student Health on campus, and I just was like, okay, I just say it. Just as soon as I walked into the room, I just blurted it out because I was like, if I don't say it, I'm going to just chicken out and I'm going to walk out again after like my fifth appointment that I've been trying to tell someone about this. So I literally just walked in the room and I was like, I think I have an eating disorder. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. So why do you think that? Okay. And then I told her everything and I just like broke down like crying and the poor doctor, I mean, she's like qualified but she's not like a therapist. So she was yeah. kind of just like, they're there, little one. Like, she didn't know like, what to do. She's, she's like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'd already seen many, many counselors and psychologists, mainly for my anxiety and depression, which I had struggled with a lot. And that had been, had always felt more like, quote, serious to me because it was very, very debilitating. And with my eating disorder, I could still go to work and go to school and technically live my life, even though my life sucked. Whereas with my anxiety, I was literally like in bed, like I can't get out of bed. So that was something I had dealt with first. 
I had tried to bring it up previously to kind of my counselors or psychologists, but I had always just really downplayed it. And I, this was probably not the best response that they had, but they kind of said like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not bad. Okay. Oh, thanks. Oh. thanks, girl. <laughs> like, I just wanted that like reaffirmation that like my problems weren't really bad. So I could be like, okay, I'll keep living this way. Thanks. So I decided to get a new psychologist and kind of start fresh with her and really tell her finally be honest about because I realized people can't help you if you're not being honest and I was so ashamed like I said of like my behaviors and my thoughts that like I didn't want to tell anyone the truth and so finally I was able to open up to someone and truly tell them what I was doing I was also encouraged to go see a dietitian to help because my nutrition was terrible you know I was not getting the nutrition that I needed to function well. And then one other thing that I did that was really, really, really helpful was I reached out to this um, nonprofit organization that's in Vancouver. Um, They probably have similar things in other cities. Here it's called Looking Glass Foundation. And I got a peer mentor, someone similar in age to me, another female who had already recovered from an eating disorder. She had a different type of eating disorder, but of course there were so many things we could relate to and so many overlaps. Um, And so I was able to meet with her in person once a week and I still meet with her to this day. And she was like instrumental in helping me. And I just felt so hopeless. And she actually showed me that recovery is possible, which I just didn't believe initially. I didn't think that I would ever be okay or like get through this so it was amazing to have her that was really helpful yeah that's awesome I think that's so important is to have someone you can talk to that kind of gets it because it's so illogical and there's so many things that just don't make sense (laughs) so so having someone else be like oh yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about is like okay, so I'm not as crazy as I thought, you know, like, exactly. Yeah. um, And having that support as well. And that hope I've been in the same boat, like, I never used to think that being recovered was possible. Like, I still have days where I'm like, I don't know, like, but this round in my like, my history has been kind of very up and down. But this round, I kind of believe that there is an end to it you know you're not going to be in recovery forever there is a recovered whereas when I left treatment when I was 17 I was like well I'm in recovery now and this is just what life's gonna be like but having someone to talk to who's been through something similar whether or not it's the exact same eating disorder or not Mm -hmm. but seeing that there's a recovered side is so nice and reassuring and helps you kind of get through it. Um, And I think the other thing you brought up that was super important was the fact that sometimes it can be so hard dealing with like the medical system when you have an eating disorder, because if you don't find people who fully understand it or know anything about it, they reassure your behaviors and you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, I remember my mom took me to the ER once and she was like talking to the nurse. She's like, oh my, she's like skipping lunch, blah, blah, blah. And the nurse was like, oh, a lot of kids do that. Don't worry about it. And we're like, hmm, bro, (laughs) no. (laughs) It's so frustrating because you finally built up the courage to actually reach out and finally admit something, which, you know, yeah, like I said, takes a lot of courage. It's really hard to do that. And then to have someone, you know, kind of brush you off or not take you seriously that's really really unfortunate yeah I also like I did talk to one doctor previously to the one I was speaking about and 
she said, oh, yeah, that kind of sounds like it might be an eating disorder. We have an eating disorder specialist, but I don't really think you qualify for uh, a referral to her. And I was like, oh, great. Like, so, yeah, I definitely like I've had I've had some good experiences, but I've had a lot of really unfortunate experiences, not just with doctors, but with, yeah, like psychologists, with dietitians. A lot of dietitians don't really understand yeah so it's definitely important to find someone who like you said has experience with eating disorders yeah and someone you connect with too because I find like that can be difficult and even sometimes working in the formal eating disorder programs that they have through the hospitals and stuff sometimes that's not even the greatest fit because there's just so many restrictions and rules around like who qualifies for this and who qualifies for that and what we offer for this and it's like dude I'm asking you for help like give me some give me something like I've had an experience myself where you get turned away for being non-compliant and I'm like I'm asking you for help that shows that there's something here like I need some sort of assistance yeah I'm not all gung-ho let's fucking do this thing I'm excited because it's fucking terrifying but don't just like turn me away because I am not following what you're telling me to do word for word every day without any real support you know it's such a complicated system and such a complicated thing in general yeah we definitely need to make changes at a higher level but I would definitely just say to anyone who does have an unfortunate experience don't let that be like your only experience definitely like keep reaching out keep trying to get help and you really like it it sucks but you do have to be an advocate for yourself in our healthcare system so yeah maybe enlist like a friend or a family member who can help you to advocate for yourself or if you know of someone else who you know has a similar issue maybe ask them who who they saw or how they went about it and maybe they could give you some advice for sure yeah even though our system sucks don't let that stop you from getting (laughs) the help that you deserve no 100 percent. it's definitely so important and there are positive experiences out there it's just you kind of it's kind of like that saying where you're like you got to kiss a lot of toads before you meet your prince like that's basically how (laughs) what a weird metaphor you know what it's fine so how have you found that being in recovery and being recovered has affected your personal relationships or even like when you were struggling with your disorder did you find that that had a negative impact on the way you were able to interact with your friends yeah it had a hugely negative impact so I think I mentioned I had like a binge eating disorder and basically I would wake up and my first thought would be okay when can I binge what can I binge on like where will it be I would just completely obsess over it I cared about that more than I cared about literally anything in the world more than I cared about my friends my family my school my work and that terrified me but it was just my reality it was really all that I cared about um, which is so sad but that's what eating disorders do I feel like they just make your world so small they're super super isolating I was so like ashamed and embarrassed that I just yeah I basically didn't have friends combined with my eating disorder I definitely also struggled with like anxiety and depression so it was like an unfortunate combination of multiple things but yeah I didn't really have a lot of friends and I just felt really inauthentic in everything that I did because my family didn't really know the true extent of what I was struggling with um, because I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to like tell anyone. And yeah, so I felt very alone and it really sucked. And, you know, it impacted my academics too. I would, you know, binge and I would feel so sick and 
I would have a headache and a stomach ache and I'd be super lethargic and I'd basically just want to sleep it off. So I wouldn't study. (laughs) I would just lie in my bed and things like that were really unhealthy patterns. But yeah, once I started kind of my journey to recovery and things changed a lot in a really great way, I was able to be more intentional about creating friendships and finding people that had like positive influences on me that I felt like they added value to my life that I really felt comfortable with and could really connect with. And yeah, I was able to open up to my family more. I mean, they still don't know (laughs) everything, but I think that's okay. I don't think you have to necessarily tell everyone about everything, but definitely my relationships overall have improved a lot. Yeah, it's amazing how small your world can become and you don't really care in the the moment. You're like, eh, whatever, this is all that matters. But once you start to branch out again and realize there's so much more to life you're like what the fuck was I doing like I I know it sucks but I mean we all have to go through that process and yeah you know you live and you learn and I think you grow from everything you've been through so definitely I mean I feel or I felt like I had lost like huge periods of my life I felt like the whole last decade was like a blur and I don't even know what happened which sucks But like you said, you know, there are also a lot of like blessings in that. I feel like I learned a lot and um, I kind of had to go through it in order to learn. And that's part of why I do like what I do now is to help other people and to encourage them to get help and to not wait because yeah, recovery is totally worth it and your life is happening now. And I kept kind of telling myself once I lose 10 pounds or once I, you know, once this happens or that happens, then I'll be happier. Then I can start making friends or then I can go on a date but life is happening right now, you know, so we just have to start living right now. <laughs> I think it's so powerful and just like overall amazing to hear about someone who has gone through something that had taken over your life at one point and was in kind of your whole world to come through that on the other side and not just like start living a better life, but also like finding a purpose in what you have gone through to help others there's so much beauty in that (laughs) that if anything comes from any pain that we ever have like I always see that for myself as well having struggled with something wildly different but whenever there's something like really difficult I think one of the most beautiful things we can do as people is to use that to like better ourselves and to help others so I absolutely love that that's what you've done with your own journey thank you yeah I I totally agree. I mean, for so long, I kind of played the victim and I felt like, oh, why did this happen to me? Like, this isn't fair. Why does everyone else seem to have it so easy? And first of all, no one else has it easy. (laughs) Everyone struggles with things, whether we know it or not. But also, yeah, like, I just have to believe that there is a reason that, you know, I went through this and, you know, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of like, you wouldn't be given this life if you weren't strong enough to live it. And So you definitely are strong enough to overcome things. There's a lot we can learn from what we go through. And hopefully I am able to help other people in just some small way. Well, I think just by sharing your story, even if, you know, it's not like a one-on-one conversation, I think there's so much power when it comes to knowing that you're not alone in your experiences. Yeah. Knowing that you're not the only person who is struggling with that kind of thing is really powerful. You're less isolated when you know that. and And it gives you the opportunity to look for a better life because you know that if there's people who are also struggling with that then it easily connects to the fact that there's people who have gone through it and come out the other side 
So I'm, I'm sure you are definitely helping people with what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I like to think that the people I'm probably helping the most are the people that I'm never, ever going to hear from that aren't going to reach out and DM me or anything. And that's okay. But you know, the fact that they've seen my post or they've watched my story or something might've given them some benefit. So yeah, for sure. I think it's important to think like for every like one DM you get, there's like a bajillion other people who are feeling that same way, but don't have the confidence to really send that message. Um, And I think what you're doing is incredible, like super, super amazing. And I love what you're doing with the whole fitness atmosphere as well and really focusing in on the positivity that you can get from that besides just weight loss, you know, (laughs) because there is so much more that that can give you. And it's an amazing thing. And I think, like we were saying before, everyone should have the opportunity to be able to do that regardless of what your body size is, what your income is, what the color of your skin is. I think right now too is a very important time for recognizing the exclusivity in the fitness industry and being like, we need to fucking change that because it should not be exclusive at all. Everyone should have the right, everyone does have the right to enjoy fitness and have a healthy body, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also one thing I've noticed is that a lot of, and on social media, there's kind of this picture of fitness that is lifting weights or that is running. And really fitness or like living a healthy, active lifestyle and moving in ways you enjoy is so much more than that. It could be dancing or martial yeah. arts or playing sports, or it could be so many different things. So also not trying to fit the mold of what other people do to stay active, but find something that you truly enjoy because that's the only way you're going to be able to stick with it also long-term. And, you know, we really want to set ourselves up to be active for life and do things that we, yeah, that we really enjoy that make us feel good mentally and physically. And that can look so different from person to person. Oh, for sure. And I think you're so right, especially like as of late, it's like, if you don't lift, you're not fit. Like so inaccurate, you know? So I've had to take a step back from like any sort of real like aggressive activity and I was so into lifting and honestly like I actually do really love it but recognizing the other forms of fitness that are fun too like I've gotten more into yoga and I've rediscovered my love for walks like I love just walking outside it's so nice and it's not like super intense or anything definitely and I think it's always important just to check in with yourself and just, you know, ask yourself, like, what is my intention behind this? Like, am I exercising because I feel like I have to? Or is it because I want to? Is it because, you know, I think it's the only thing that will enable me to eat later? Or like, what is your true intention behind it? We don't exercise so that we can eat. We eat to fuel ourselves so that we are strong and so that we can move our bodies. Weird thing that I've picked up on and listening to you talk, Emma, is that like the name Respect Your Body is perfect for what you're doing. And just in everything you say, like it, it, it's so genuine. I'm so glad that you reached out to us because like you're the perfect fit for our podcast. You're just, you're so authentic and genuine in what you're doing. That's so obvious when you talk about it, that you're passionate and that it, it just comes through. So that's not really a question. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> you're so eloquent. You're so eloquent too. Like you, you don't ramble like we do. <laughs> Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, because it is it's genuinely something that I am so passionate about. And I'm so glad that I finally took the leap to talk about it because I just I love it. And 
yeah, even though it's probably not something like that I'll be able to make a full-time income or career out of necessarily, I think it's something I'm always going to do because it's just like part of who I am and it's just such a passion that I have. So I really appreciate you saying that and I really appreciate you having me on the podcast and I'm glad that I reached out to you. I was I was like, oh, you know, they probably won't even see this, but I'll just try. And then no, dude, you actually we got so back excited. to me. We were so excited. We're like, oh my God, this girl's so cool. We're like, wow, <laughs> someone notices us. <laughs> no, it was amazing. Um, and I think like what you said, like, yeah, maybe it won't be like a huge form of income, but maybe it will. You never know, right? And I think being able to do what you're passionate about is so important. Like, even when I was just working in the gym, everyone was always so hung up on like, this is how much you can make in an hour if you do this and you do that. I'm like, I honestly like, yes, this is a job and I'm making money, but like, I'm not here to like become a millionaire. It's not going to happen. I'm here to help people. And that's like my main purpose. And I think when you're driven by that passion and by that purpose, people see that and you end up being even more successful than those people who are so money hungry, you know? Yeah, it's it's a tough thing for me because my like true belief is that every like we were talking about, like everyone, regardless of their race, ethnicity, like age, gender, anything, they deserve to be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's a luxury. I think that's a necessity in life is to be like physically, mentally well. And so yeah, I definitely operate on like a sliding scale. Like if someone comes to me, first of all, I will just help them just yeah. for free. Like I'll just help them as much as I can. But if they're ge- like genuinely interested in one of my services, but maybe that's just out of their price range for whatever reason, you know, I always try my best to accommodate to them because I just truly believe that it's like I said, yeah, it's not a luxury. It's something that everyone deserves. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I think that's so important. And yeah. Oh, we need more people like you, man. So uh, one thing that last question we'll just kind of finish off with is mm-hmm. how do you find your authenticity? Yeah. Like okay. what's living authentic mean to you? Yeah. I think to me, living authentically means being connected to what I value, like being aware of what my values are and trying to live them out every day and building self-awareness always, like always trying to yeah, learn more about myself and develop myself personally, and also kind of embracing my quote, imperfections, and kind of what we were talking about today in the episode a little bit, we touched on like shame and kind of healing shame. That's really important for me in order to live authentically is to yeah work on healing the things that I'm ashamed of about myself and not constantly trying to shrink myself or trying to fit into society's ideals, but just showing up as I am and not feeling like I need to apologize for who I am, but just being myself and knowing that I'm enough as I am right now. Love that so much. Excellent answer. (laughs) So I think just before we close off, where can people find you? Yeah, you can definitely check out my Instagram at emma.respectyourbody. I also have a website www.respectyourbody.ca yeah so definitely reach out to me on instagram send me a dm i always love to chat with people and hear about what's going on in their lives and maybe how i could support them don't hesitate to reach out and we'll have all that like in the description of the episode and on the post we make for the instagram so people can come find you directly awesome and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today honestly loved chatting with you great time yeah thank you so much for having me and i'm so excited to like stay connected with both of you yes oh, definitely. Yeah, and stuff. because i can tell also how passionate both of you are about spreading this message of living an authentic life and how authentic you are yourself just 
you're just totally yourselves. And I love how you work together. You're such a dynamic duo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. You know, we like to keep it real. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Jen, what should they do? So if you liked today's episode, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all of those fun things. And don't forget to check out Emma on Instagram. Check out her website. And don't forget to share this episode on your story. Tag us. Tag her. We will catch up with you on July 1st. Bye.